and welcome to the Spirit Box Podcast. Join me, Darren Masonfield, as we explore folklore, magic, and of course, the world of the spirits. So this podcast has evolved out of my YouTube channel, and my YouTube channel evolved out of lectures that I did, um, basically to, to complement some photographic work that I've been doing. Um, so I was a travel photographer and did a lot of documentary work uh, in India around topics like the Aghori Hindu sect, um, known for their cannibalistic rituals, and also following in the footsteps of William Dalrymple um, and his book The City of Jinns, brought to my attention the, the subject of the Islamic fire spirits, jinns. And that really started off my YouTube channel, and this is why I am starting a podcast. So we're going to start with who are the jinn, and this is an excerpt from a lecture I did at Treadwell's bookshop, Treadwell's occult bookshop in London, a few years ago, and it does refer to some images in it because originally it was a video. If that is unbearable, I've got the video link in the show notes, and you can go and check it out there. But as we progress with the podcast, this is going to be one of the foundation stones of understanding this type of spirit, what it, what it is, what it represents, and how it relates to um, Islamic folklore. And then we'll start to explore the similarity, similarities between the jinn and the Christian concept of, of demons, and indeed the kind of folkloric concept of fairies and elves and dwarfs across Northern Europe. The similarities are really startling. Anyway, that's enough from me as an introduction for this podcast. So here it is. Who are the jinn? A belief in the jinn originated in the Arab East and continued unabated throughout the Arabic world until the Roman and Byzantine periods, uh, right up to the coming of Islam in the 7th century, when these beings were integrated into the new faith through the Quranic revelation and the personal experience of the, the Prophet Muhammad. So there's two streams of knowledge at work here. One is the folk interpretation of the jinn, which is largely Mesopotamic in origin, which developed in cities, towns and villages, where a fearful eye on the wastes of the desert and in and incorporating age-old regional beliefs about nature spirits, demons, and divinities. The other stream was channeled through Greek and Roman philosophers and proto-scientists, and focused on the role of demons as intermediaries between men and gods. To believers, uh, jinn is just another type of creature created by Allah, along with angels, humans, and plants. Less exalted than angels, jinn rank above humans in some aspects and below them in others. As a result, uh, the jinn are often mentioned in the Quran in conjunction with humans. Uh, the word jinn and its variants occur at least 29 times in the Quran, and the word shaitan and its plural 88 times, as does the word for angels, malak. For sake of comparison, the word for sea, bahir, appears 33 times. Uh, the, the jinn of Islam enjoy supernatural powers, but they have a lot of human qualities like intelligence, emotions, and free will. Jinn who are seen to have chosen Islam are generally considered to be good jinn. Those who reject God are seen as demons. Those who follow an Abrahamic religion, other than Islam, say Christianity or Judaism, have a more ambiguous state. In Western Arabia, where Islam was born, one of the many roles of the jinn was to inspire poets and soothsayers. The ability to recite beautiful poetry or to foretell the future was thought to be a sign of being possessed by the jinn. 
So here we have a quote from um, from the Quran, um, and he created jinns from fire, free smoke. So the the jinn are said to be formed of smokeless or scorching fire. The jinn, humans, and angels are making up the three sapient creations of God, like human beings, and this is a key fact: jinn can be good, evil, or or neutral. So they have free will, just like humans. The shaitan jinn are akin to demons in the Christian tradition. Uh, this painting is by Johann Jacob Frey and it's called A Caravan Caught in the Simon Wind near Gaza. According to an old Muslim legend, which is popular among the Egyptians, the jinn, uh, <clears throat> the first jinn to be created by Allah from the Sinem or hot scorching desert wind was Asum bin Tarnushi. He and his descendants were given dominion over the earth, and they followed rules handed down to them by Allah. In this pre-Adamite world inhabited by the jinn ancestors of great power, as many as 72 kings held sway. Each of them bore the royal title, Solomon. The last of these Solomons uh, was Jan ibn Jan, and for him the collective term uh, for all jinn races is said to derive. Islamic tradition says Allah created the jinn before the creation of Adam, both jinn and men were created in heaven and lived in paradise. As God relates in the Quran, we created man from sounding clay, from mud molded into shape, and the jinn race we had created before, from the fire of scorching wind. No one knows how much time passed between the creation of jinn and man. Some scholars contend that the jinn had populated and ruled the earth before Adam, but they relinquished this role when Allah punished them for their arrogance and pride. So here we have some categories of jinn. Um, now these are all basically evil jinn. Uh, I'm going to talk about evil jinn more than the, the neutral jinn or the good jinn, as they tend to make up the the more famous jinn, really. So we've got five major categories here. Uh, these terms tend to overlap, and they're not that defined as 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 one would hope. Jan is the collective term referring to the masses of jinn of all types. This term is sometimes interchangeable with jinn. Jinn is often used, uh, jinn is used more often to refer to specific individuals or families or tribes of fire spirits. And you'll notice the spelling here doesn't have a D. So the, the D-J-I-N-N -N version is the, the version of the spelling that is associated with, with India, with Delhi. Um, J-I-N-N -N tends to be the more common spelling. So jinn is uh, used more often to refer to specific individuals or families or clans of fire spirits. As mentioned, jinn can be good or evil, but shaitans are the children of the king devil Iblis and are always evil. Ifrits are more powerful than shaitans and most often evil. Marids are evil as well and the most powerful of all. All of the above have the ability to shapeshift have magical powers and shield themselves with invisibility. And, and there are, of course, hundreds of local variations or jinn that are specific to specific regions in the countries that are known for jinn mythology. So I put this tile up um, basically to kind of illustrate representations of jinn in Western culture. Um, they mostly had kind of a, a comical or naive image, principally focusing on the genie aspect of the jinn. 
of course, it's not all blue cartoons and bad sitcoms. Even though these, these are culturally naive interpretations of the djinn, they are indicative of certain traits associated with them. The most obvious here is genie, the grantor of wishes. The second is the marriage, and more specifically, the sexual union between a djinn and human being. Something we see uh, more recently in the excellent American Gods. This union between djinn and human is a recurrent theme and often is not a good one in the case of lilin demons or incubus and succubus. Um, now the word lilin uh, gets its root from Lilith, um, one of the more famous of the djinn, and we'll come to her later. Um, one of the most famous of these human being jinn relationships is that of King Solomon and Bilquis, or as she's better known, the Queen of Sheba. Uh, Bilquis also turns up in American Gods. And further to that kind of theme of, of, of sexual union with spirits and jinn, according to Talmudic tradition, after Adam, and Eve, after Adam and Eve were driven from Eden, Adam was separated from Eve for 130 years. During this time, uh, both of them had intercourse with spirits, and from these unions, the Mazakin were born. Some Talmudic scholars have called them ghouls or demons, names which are commonly used for jinn as well. Uh, the Victorian explorer and translator Sir Richard F. Burton believed the Mazakin were equivalent to the jinn. They were able to foretell the future and could shapeshift. And like humans, they enjoyed feasting and drinking and married and had children. Here's Belquis, the Queen of Sheba. So this is the first of our, of our big hitters. Um, here is Belquis in her new form uh, from American Gods, uh, the more traditionally known form from the Bible, um, the Queen of Sheba. Describing the Bible as simply the queen, a queen of the East, Modern scholars believe she came from the kingdom of Aksum in Ethiopia or the kingdom of Saba in Yemen, or both. And their main clue is that she brought bales of incense with her as a gift. Um, frankincense only grows in these two areas and both countries claim her as theirs. King Solomon heard of Sheba and her great kingdom. He, also, he had also heard that she has a strange feature, a left foot that is cloven uh, like that of a goat and has a hairy leg. Um, this rumour was started by the jinn enslaved by Solomon via the talismanic ring given to him by the angel Gabriel. Now that ring uh, was engraved with the most high name of God and with this ring he could command the jinn. Um, the jinn feared the courting couple would marry and produce an heir which would continue their slavery so they tried to separate the lovers. So eager to see if this rumour of her legs was true, he had the floor of his court polished until it was like gas and resembled a pool of water. When the Queen of Sheba walked across uh, the floor, she raised her dress. Uh, Solomon sees a reflection of her cloven hook, and in front of his eyes it transforms and becomes normal. In another version of this, it doesn't say if her foot is cloven, or, but that her legs are exceptionally hairy. Uh, anyway, this didn't put him off, and they had a son, and seven years later she died, and Solomon had her buried in the Syrian city of Palmyra. And this city, according to legend, is said to have been constructed by the jinn on the orders of King Solomon. This is Pazuzu, Lord of Fevers and Plagues. So the Exorcist, um, the film The Exorcist, brought the Mesopotamian wind demon and primordial jinn into Western consciousness. Jinn are often associated with wind and are said to travel by it. Um, so Pazuzu is first mentioned by the Sumerians and is later identified in Assyrian and Babylonian mythology as the son of Hampa, who is the lord of all demons, and is sometimes identified with Satan himself. 
He also turns up in William Burroughs' novel City of the Red Knight, where he's called Lord of Fears and Plagues, Dark Angel of the Four Winds, with rotting genitals from which he howls through sharpened teeth over stricken cities. Although certainly evil, Pazuzu is curiously sometimes appears on, on ancient amulets as a defense against other demons. His form is made up of dangerous predators of the desert, a human hybrid animal with a lion's or canine head, bird's wings, and a scorpion's tail. Um, the statuette here you can see uh, is from uh, the British Museum, where there's a number of figurines representing Pazuzu um, on display there. Obviously, the face you see here is famous from The Exorcist. Uh, Pazuzu's form also turns up at the start of The Exorcist film, uh, where he confronts Father Marin and they stare at each other across, um, across a small ravine. Iblis, or Azazel. The Quran says that Satan was among the angels whom God ordered to bow down to Adam after his creation. It says in the Quran, and when we the angels and when we said to the angels prostrate to Adam and they prostrated except for Iblis he was of the jinn and departed from the command of his lord then will you take him and his descendants as allies other than me while they are enemies to you wretched it is for the wrongdoers as an exchange while all the angels obeyed God and bowed down before Adam Satan disobeyed haughtily saying I am better than him you created me from fire and created him from clay. And what you can see here in the picture in the background is um, Iblis standing from back from Adam and the little black figure in the right, and he's refusing to bow down. So what this uh, what's suggested here is Iblis wasn't an angel and he didn't have to follow a command uh, of God. Uh, Ibis is also known as Azazel and Abu Murad, the father of bitterness, and he is known to rule over Monday. So whether Satan was actually an angel or a jinn whom God elevated to the angelic assembly is a matter of debate along amongst a lot of uh, Islamic scholars. Some scholars, such as Ibn Abbas, believe that Satan was actually an angel whom God created from fire. He was the most worshipful and he was the most worshipful and knowledgeable of the angels. Thus. When the Quran identifies Satan as a jinn, it means he belonged to a class of fiery creatures called jinn, which encompassed the heavenly jinn, fiery angels, and earthly, ordinary jinn. As such a notion is, would, reminds you of the biblical seraphim, a rank of angels who were known to look like a burning fire. Um, the Sufis have a slightly different um, perspective on this and, and see Satan as a paradigm of love. So despite the traditional interpretation of Satan's fall from grace as an excessive act of pride and rebellion against God, uh, the Sufi see it as an act of self-sacrifice for God's love. So Satan refused to bow down to Adam out of his uncom uncompromising love and devotion to God. He refused to venerate anything but God. Um, Al-Ghazali, a well-known medieval Sufi uh, Muslim theologian, narrates, Encountering Iblis in the slopes of Sinai, Moses hailed him and asked, O Iblis, why did you not prostrate before Adam? Iblis replied, Heaven forbid that anyone worship anything but the one. This command was a test. So, as you'd expect, Iblis also turns up in the Garden of Eden. He hides in the serpent's mouth and this leads to a familiar end. Only in the Islamic version of this tale, the responsibility for the fall is shared equally between Adam and Eve. 
Um, Iblis then went on to marry the serpent and they had offspring. At various times, Iblis also mated with other beings to produce a number of demons. One of these lovers was the Queen Ar, or she is better known in Western culture, Lilith. She went on to bear numerous gin offspring and has, and has amongst her many titles, Mother of Jinn. O flyer in a dark chamber, go away at once, O lily. This inscription was found on a 7th century BC tablet at Arishtash in northern Syria. Uh, Lilith appears as Lilu, a kind of windstorm demon in Sumer about 4000 BC. Um, she was also the bride of Samuel, the demon king or angel of death. Um, this relief is known as the Bernie relief and um, some scholars believe this is identified as Lilith. It's slightly contested. Others claim it represents Ishtar or Inanna, although there's limited evidence to suggest um, either are true. She she was usually feared uh, by mothers as a child killer, that she was the bearer of disease and at childbirth. Uh, hadiths were recited to keep her at bay. So she was a child killer, a vampire, the first succubus. Her titles include Omelet, the mother of night, mother of jinn, El Kunfusa, the female scarab. And, and most recently, she became a feminist icon uh, for her declaration of sexual independence. Um, she was also associated with the Quinar, a female jinn who acts as a woman's shadow and leads her to wreak havoc in her relationships. This is a later painting of Lilith uh, by John Collier in 1887. I will not lie below. This is the declaration that led to her being seen as a feminist icon. So in medieval Kabbalistic legends, um, she is represented as, as a first sexual partner of, of Adam. And during their union, she refuses to lie below Adam, essentially saying that she was a superior one. Um, Adam rejects her for this, and she came to hate all humankind because of it, and is consumed by a jealous rage as a result. And this led to her to be to target human children. So she's the deadly enemy of all women, especially young mothers, in this terrible jealous fury. Possession changelings and abductions. This picture is of uh, Sargon the Great, who ruled the Arcadian Empire. 4,000 years ago, and he claimed to be half jinn. And this line is attributed to him. Sargon the mighty king, king of Agad am I. My mother was a changeling, my father I knew not. So a changeling is a swap child. Um, the jinn come and take the human child and leave a jinn child um, in, in this stead. Now this theme of the swap child is common in medieval literature and it reflects concern over infants taught to be afflicted with unexplained diseases, disorders and development disabilities. And this ties into a lot of the dangers that Lilith represented. In Ireland, for example, belief in changelings uh, was quite prevalent and simple charms such as an inverted coat or iron scissors were left where a child sleeps. And uh, fear of iron seemed to be a recurrent theme which uh, with the jinn, and one which I'll revisit later when I when we visit some of the sites of exorcism. And belief uh, belief in changelings in Ireland in, endured as late as 1895, uh, when Bridget Cleary was murdered by her husband, who believed her to be a changeling, and the actual Bridget the actual Bridget had been taken by fairies. Now, there's definitely some synergies between fairies and, and jinn in terms of their characteristics. Um, what it turned out. Bridget had actually done is she had uh, bought a sewing machine and uh, started a small industry. 
Um, this was seen as a sign of madness by Michael Cleary, her husband, who um, then went on to burn her alive. Anyway, so why do the jinn possess? Well, for many reasons, some good, some quite bad. Um, some just want to experience the material form of a human being. Um, but it can happen when an individual harms a jinn, even just by accident. And when this jinn is weak, when this individual is weakened, at some point becomes vulnerable to possession by the jinn, and the jinn may may do so. And the symptoms of possession are, are as follows: turning away and reacting strongly when hearing the adhan, the call to prayer, or Quran, fainting, seizures, falling when the Quran is read over, a lot of disturbing dreams, being alone, keeping away from people, and behaving strangely. The devil who is dwelling within him may speak when the Quran is recited over him. And that is all. I hope you enjoyed uh, that lecture. Okay, so now you know who the jinn are. So if, that'll be helpful because future episodes will make a lot more sense. Um, quick thank you to Chris Cotterell, who uh, is a music producer who produced the intro and exit music for this podcast. You can find a link to his work in the show notes below. And, uh, and that's it for episode one. Thanks for listening and talk soon.